Listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. You guys can have a seat. It's great to be with you tonight. And what a great song to lead in tonight's message. Simplify. Over the last four weeks, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the realization that we complicate our lives. The minute that we step outside of God's plan, his precepts, his commands for any and every aspect of our life. And tonight, we're going to talk about how he is faithful to us, how he is good to us in his plan for us in the lives of women. The last week we talked about men and young men growing into manhood. Tonight we talk about women and God's plan for women and young women to simplify their lives with his plan of precepts. And to do that, we're going to turn tonight to the very first book in our Bibles, to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, back where it all began in verse 18. It's great to see you students back from camp, whether you were on faculty, junior faculty, or a camper. It was awesome to get to stop in a couple times and see you all worship this week, to see you sweat, to do my very first belly flop in 53 years right out there in the pool. I gave in to peer pressure for the first time. Those kids were chanting my name, and I just had to do it. I just had to do it. It's a great, great thing. But I was so, so impressed, as always, to see uh, life change, and I know for the adults and teens that give their life in service for that week. Many of them had served the week before uh, at Grace Week, uh, but to see you all surrender, I know that you were blessed, and I know that that's where life change happens is when we give our all and things get a little bit tough out there. Well, Bill asked me, Bill Stone asked me this week, he said, do you have an interpreter this weekend for the message? It's obvious that you're not a woman. And I said, well, thank you that it's obvious that I'm not a woman. But no, I don't have an interpreter. I did ask Sarah. I did ask her a week ago if she would be willing to step in and take this message for me. She said, oh, no, 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 no. She went to camp. So you're stuck with me. But I want you to know that I ran most everything past her in this message and at least got a neutral, right? Not a thumbs down, maybe not a thumbs up, but we're kind of right right in the middle. Plus, I have two beautiful young daughters, and so the three of them have given me great insight into the complicated aspects of womanhood. Now, I chose to go all the way back to the beginning, so if you found your place in the Bible, I want us to go to the day that God created woman and establish these three realities in her life, and that is her identity, her purpose, and the definition of relationship that she would have, the most important relationships she would have in her life. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 reads, The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And every married woman says, amen, you got that one right, God, let's just get that out of the way. We know it's not good for man to be alone, not even for five minutes. And God said, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, Before you choke on helper, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, man being one of them, 
all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And God concludes in verse 25, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, young ladies, women, let, let's begin here. And guys, I want you to track with this because it's, it's very important for you, young men and Christian men, it's very important for you to understand why God gave us a partner in a woman. Because you need to respect that. Because she's made in God's image. And so tonight's message is just as important for you. So let's begin here, ladies. Don't mess with God's design for women. We all want to mess with it. But don't you mess with it. Instead, you ask him for the strength and the power and the grace to embrace it, to embrace his design of you. When I spoke with Sarah about the three most complicated aspects of being a woman, at the top of her list and at the top of my list were identity and self-worth. Identity and self-worth. It's no secret. We act like it is. But it's no secret that placing your identity and worth in someone or something other than God's design doesn't end well. And not only does it not end well, but the journey to that end is not a pleasurable one. I want you to notice the detail in verse 21. While man and all the other wildlife was made of dirt, God was very deliberate and detailed in creating woman much more so than man. He gathered up the dust and he breathed life into man. Look at what he did to create the woman. He put man asleep, he took a rib, and he crafted a woman. Now some think God put man asleep so that the removal of the rib wouldn't hurt because we all know how sensitive us men are to pain. But God put man asleep because he didn't want him messing with what he was creating. But you know, ever since that day, ever since the creation of woman, that's exactly what mankind has done. We've been messing with the design. We've been messing with the design, and that messes, ladies, with your self-worth, and it messes with your identity. This week, Sarah was teamed up with Mike. Mike up there, Mike Albright, that was up in the water baptizing Tyler. They were teamed up to lead a family, half girls, half guys, all right? And Mike and Sarah sat down. They had a serious discussion. Mike said, look, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to take the boys, and we're going to do guy things, you know. We're going to go off. We're going to pass gas. We're going to burp. You know, we're, we're going to do the guy things. He acts all spiritual, but that, that was the last thing that happened. 
And then he looked at Sarah and he said, and you, you can take the girls and you and the girls can go off and do girl things. You know, you can go off and cry and you, you can go off and you can, you can have these serious talks and then you can cry some more. And Sarah looked at him just as, just as she looks at me sometimes. And she looked at him, and I think she probably raised a finger to him and said, Look, you listen, there's going to be no crying in my group. You got to know Sarah. You got to know Sarah. I'm not a crier. I'm not a crier at all. And she makes me look like my mother, right? <laughs> right? In fact, she calls me Becky sometimes because she thinks I'm too emotional. But if you know my wife, she's tough. She's confident. She's secure. She's secure in her, well, I, this is serious. What are you all laughing at? Yeah, Mike, yeah, well, yeah, you only got her for a week. I've had her for 18 years. <laughs> she is confident. She is secure in her identity. And listen. She wants every young woman, especially her daughters, to share in that confidence and sense of worth. Why? How? By being confident in the one who created her. She knows who her creator is. She knows the design plan that he has for her. And she wants nothing less than to live up to that. And she does it with great authority in her life. And ladies, you need to understand right off the bat, you need to write it down. If you're wanting to get something tattooed on you, get this tattooed on you. You're divinely designed. Now, I'm not saying divine in a romantic sense. I'm saying divine in the fact that God himself went to great detail. Your design is carefully calculated. It's eternally significant for reasons you may not fully understand or even agree with, but you need to know that his design for you was not half-hearted. It was completely thought out. Go back to chapter 1, verse 27, right there in our text. What does verse 27 say? God created man, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Ladies... You are as much an image bearer of God as a man is. And your focus, ladies, listen. Your focus is to be on the image that you've been chosen to represent. Do you know that you represent an aspect of God? We all think about physical attributes. Oh, you mean God had long eyelashes? You, you mean God was tough and muscular? I'm talking about the real person, the real image of God. You are an image bearer of God, and your focus is to be on that image that you've been chosen to represent in a very unique and specific way. And it's a way that God defined for you. So if you can't fathom why God would choose to make you, or if you're very certain about why he did, as some are, he himself is well aware of the reasons. God created you and everything about you. And at the end of the day, what did he say in verse 31? It says that God saw all that he had made, male and female. And it was not just good, but it was very 
good. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, I think you guys may have delved into this a little bit this week. But it says, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully... Have you ever thought about that when it comes to worship? Now, we want to think that worship is limited to our time of singing. That's the least of it. That's the result of how we have engaged God's design plan of us throughout the week. Right? Remember the songwriter, then sings my soul. And that's after. That's after he has looked at the magnitude of God and what he's created. Ladies, do you know that you can praise him and that you should be praising him as the psalmist was because you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Can you say that? Can you say to yourself in relationship to God, God, I am known by you. Can you say, God, I have been seen by you. God, you protect me. I'm protected by you. I am blessed by you. I'm strengthened by you. I am led by you. I'm purposed by you. I love this quote. I manipulated it so I didn't have to put the person's name with it. I take it as my own. But I loved it when I came across it. Ladies, you have the extraordinary coded within you waiting to be released. Does that make sense to you? God's design of you. He put his own image in you. His DNA is in you. Your uniqueness comes from him. And it's all right there waiting waiting to grow and to mature and to be released from you in every season of your life. And that's the second factor that often gets complicated. And that is, how is the extraordinary released? (laughs) How is that released in our life? Well, it's released through our, your purpose. Your purpose. The last night of Grace Week, uh, a week ago this past Friday, actually last night was Saturday, but the, the last full night where they stayed the night was, was on Friday. Kelsey brought in a world champion juggler. He holds several Guinness uh, World Book of Records. He's from up in Ohio. He drove down Thursday night. Then he came back Friday. I had seen him before uh, at a friend's event, and uh, this guy came out, and he was amazing. And at one point in his show, he had a stick. It, it was like a, one of those pointers that uh, a, a guy would use leading the orchestra, right? And he had this stick, and on top of that stick was a china plate. And he held that stick up by his hand, he began spinning that plate. Now, that was cool, anybody can do that, you know, spin a plate on a stick. But then he would take the stick while it was spinning, he would drop the stick and spin it around and then stick it back up there and catch the plate. And then he would take that stick while the plate was spinning and he somehow would twist it under and over, put it behind his back, take the stick with the other hand, bring it back around. He'd throw the plate up in the air, catch it on the stick, did all kinds of crazy things, put it under his leg, twist around underneath his arms. Amazing, amazing things. But do you know that not a woman in the room was impressed? (laughs) Why? 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 Because every woman knows what it is to have not just one, but multiple plates spinning at the same time. 
It's true. My wife has the woman plate going, the wife plate, the mom plate, the teacher plate, the friend plate, the work plate, the AV plate, the AV's sound and lights back here. And on top of those plates, the children's ministry plate. And on top of those plates are other smaller plates spinning all the time. And some of you have even more plates than that. But I want to tell you something. I think, different from man, I think God created you that way. I think he created you capable of spinning multiple plates at the same time. Look at his purpose for your life. All of these purposes that I listed that Sarah is spinning as a plate, they are all ordained by God. They are all given to her by him. And the thing about spinning plates is that there isn't one of them that you want to drop at any time. Nobody wants to drop the plate. Nobody wants to drop it as mom. Nobody wants to drop it as teacher. Nobody wants to drop the plate with their friend and, and fail in that area. So what does a good plate spinner have to do? She has to increase her capacity to spin the plates that God has given her to spin. And it's here that your purpose is revealed. It's here in your spinning of these plates and unleashing, unleashing the abilities that God has placed and given you. It's here that you find your purpose. Now, Matthew chapter 25 there's a really interesting parable, so some of you know it. You're familiar with it. It's a parable of the talents, right? And you turn there and you follow right along with me, but I'm going to give you the gist of it, okay? There was, a, uh, there was a guy that held all the talents, all the money, right? Right here. And he had three guys that worked for him, three people that worked for him. He was getting ready to leave for a little while. And he gave to one $5,000. All right? So his capacity, what? It was $5,000. That, that's what his owner, that's what his, his boss believed that he could handle was $5,000. That's his capacity. That's his talent. To the second, he gave, what was it? Two or three, I, I've lost track. 2,000? Somebody's looking, anybody looking? Wake up. Anybody look, 2,000? I feel like, a, like an auctioneer. Anybody give me three? 2,000. To the second, he gave two, no, it's 3,000. 2,000. All right, whatever the boss says. 2,000 sold. And to the third, he gave 1,000. Okay, so you got a 5,000, you got a 2,000, you got a 1,000. Ladies, some of you, some of you start out 5,000. Some of you start out as 2,000. Some of you start out as 1,000, all right? And he leaves for a while. He comes back, and what's he find? He finds that the $5,000 person did what? They doubled their capacity. They had $10,000 right there. The $2,000 person, same thing. They doubled their capacity. $4,000 came to the third person, the $1,000 capacity. And what had they done? They had done nothing with it. And so what did he do? He removed it from them and gave it to one of the others who knew what to do with it and was willing to grow and to risk and to do the things that were required of them as an employee. 
Now the woman who understands her purpose and embraces it well and cares for it well and stewards well, stewards it well, she will have her capacity increased. Brenda Biggs, has your capacity been increased in the last seven years? You bet it has. You bet it has. Her marriage will increase. Her finances will increase. Her talent will increase. Her influence will increase. But to those who fail to embrace what God has given, they will see it slowly slip away. Now, given this idea, given this concept, I want us to go back to the beginning again. Why did God create woman? Why did he create you, ladies? To spin plates. No. He created you because man wasn't good at spinning plates alone. He did. It's exactly what he says here. No suitable helper was found for him. And I would argue that there are many plates that a man just can't spin at all. Oh, yes, in our world today, there are many confused men, just as there are women who are taking hormones, who are having surgeries, so that they can be plate spinners like their wives, or, or what should be their wives, to try and be what God has purposed the woman to do. And what's it doing? It's complicating things exponentially, just as it has complicated things when the women decided that they wanted to be men, emotionally and spiritually and physically. Verse 20 says, but for Adam, there wasn't another Adam suitable. There wasn't an animal suitable. There was no other being suitable for him. It couldn't be found. Now, some get caught up in the word used in translation of verse 18 as helper. So some, many, many, you remember women's lib, that, that's what's led to many of the crazy things that we see going on in today's world. Ladies, you think that they're on your side. They have done more to demean women than any man could. The word most suitable when you go to the original translation, is not equal, it is not helper, but it is partner. No suitable partner could be found for man. And I don't say that to boost a woman. Ladies, you don't need to be boosted by anybody. God has given you. You are made in his image. You have more to your design plan than man ever did. But in partnership, I want you to think about it. What does partnership mean? In partnership, each partner, each person, each partner brings their unique skill set, their capacity. Remember capacity? They bring their 5,000 capacity, their 10,000 capacity, their 2,000 capacity. They bring their experiences, their expertise, but they also bring their weaknesses. And they also bring their liabilities. And each partner, though, each partner is in it for the good of what's created when two become one. And see, that something that's created can only exist if both partners are fully committed. For several years, uh, Sarah and I would go over to West Washington. It's where her niece and nephew went to school. And you've heard me talk over the years about the many, many ball games. Thankfully, we got in free. I can't imagine paying to go see those things. 
But we went to see her nephew and niece play high school basketball for the first several games. I have to say that I, I focused on the parents in the stands. Now, when I was in high school, I focused on the cheerleaders, but luckily I've moved on. I like older women. I looked at the parents in the stand, and, and, I, and I loved, especially when they would come down out of the stand and get in the face of the ref, right? I just cheered them on. Come on, guys, go down there and fight. That's a bad call, right? I want to see them get hauled out of there. I love it when the popo comes in to get them and drag them out. Sarah's dad was drug out of so many games while he was alive. <laughs> It was hilarious, right? And so I, I love to see that. But then one day, one day in my boredom, sitting there watching the game, I observed the coach. I observed the coach. And what I saw him do multiple times, over and over again, I would see him take one player out and send another player in. I thought, well, he's just being nice, right? He's giving the guys on the bench a chance to play. No, not at all. A good coach is strategizing. A good coach knows his bench. He knows his players. And a good coach knows that this player is going to be really good at making this basket or this player is going to be really good at taking out the other player, right? He knows if he needs a foul, he can put that guy in and he'll cut the legs out from underneath the guy that needs to get out of the game, right? But that's what the coach does. He draws on the individual's talents, Ladies, you need to know that God's purpose for you is not greater than man's, nor is it any less. It's also not a competition between the two of you. God has designed you and has dedicated you just as he has man. You've been given unique skills, special skills, and talents to fulfill specific roles and purposes in various seasons of life. And so what's your responsibility in that? Well, your responsibility is to bring all of those things, your gifts, your talents, your passions into this game called life. And there's some things you're going to sit down for. And there are other things that you're going to be put in for, and you're going to do some amazing, amazing things that couldn't be done for the team without you. But you're to fully engage these in the role that God has given you in the season that you are in today. And that's important for the season that you're in today. I can remember early in our marriage, several moments when Sarah doubted herself about what she was supposed to do, meaning what she was supposed to do professionally. You know the pressure, some of you. Oh, you need to go to college. She went to college. Oh, you need to have a career. Her dad wanted her to be a chiropractor. Just pushed her, pushed her, pushed her. You, you need to be the one. You're the youngest. You're the last one. Nobody else wants it. You need to take the business. And that's the last thing that she wanted to do. And in this season of her life, she didn't see her purpose in a professional career. And instead of forcing things, she took her time, and what she did, ladies, you need to follow, and that is she matched the season of her life with what God was doing in her life. And at the moment, she was married. And so that made a difference as to what God was leading her to do. She chose to ask God to allow her to empower her to be a wife that supports her ministry husband. And ladies, I don't know of too many jobs that are any more difficult than that.
Yes, I know some of you hold down some professional careers to where you hold people's lives in your hand. But you only have one or two critics at a time. You don't have six or seven hundred critics, people watching you, watching your parenting, watching your children, watching whether you have a tattoo or not, watching what you wear, watching what you say, watching who you support and who you don't. But she went all in on that. And I, I would venture to say that there's not a preacher as blessed as I am by a wife as I am. I have many friends whose wives are just completely dialed out of it. I had a lady come in when I was in for surgery. That she came in to shave me to get me ready for surgery. And, and, uh, and she was talking so bad about her husband. And I said, what's your husband do? And she said, he's a preacher. <laughs> I said, where do you all go to church? She said, he goes to this church and I go to that one. Anyway. She chose that, and she also asked God, against my better wishes, to be a mother. And let me tell you what God has done for her, ladies. Because she's not any more special than you are. Oh, she's a lot more special to me than you are to me. But in God's eyes, listen. Not only did God increase her capacity in those two areas, but he has since entrusted her with so much more. She's an amazing teacher. Both here, you've heard her teach. She could do a great job up here. But she's a teacher here, and she's a teacher at home to our girls, giving them the most valuable foundation in this season of their life. I'm so proud of her for doing that. It's not for everybody. It's not for the faint of heart. And I know many of you are indebted up to your eyeballs, and you can't do it. But she sacrificed. She gave up so much in order to be a teacher at home. She is a professional today who chooses her own work hours and helps hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of moms every month on the phone, in person, with one of the first giant obstacles of motherhood. She's one of those IBCBABC persons. I can't even get all of her acronyms right. She is a great friend to those that she invites to sit at her table. She is an amazing wife. She is an amazing teacher, and she is a radiant woman of God who lives in his blessing. Ladies, you want to simplify your life as a woman. Realize that God wants to bless you and give you all that you need to fulfill your purpose on earth, but it's up to you to embrace him. You have to embrace him with the plates that you've been handed, and you've got to spin those plates, and you can't just set them down when you're tired. Because nobody else can pick them up the way that you can. And you keep adding to those. Because you have the capacity to do far more than many of us in this room could do. Now the third area of complication is a tough one. But it is a complication in most every woman's life. And it's found in her relationship with others. Ladies, is it true? Relationship is tough. Relationship is tough. As a general rule, females are more challenged by this than males. 
And sadly, it begins at a very, very young age. If you've got young girls of your own, you know. You know that this begins even as early as kindergarten or preschool. And it gets more complicated as girls grow into women unless, unless we form relationships, ladies, grounded in a common purpose. I couldn't find any other way to word that one statement to summarize this, but I want to give you, I think I'm going to give you a really good picture of this, and I hope it makes sense with you, but you got to track with me for just these five minutes. It's probably the most important thing we're going to talk about today as far as complications that God can simplify. I want you right now, I want you to write down the relationship, ladies, that is the most complicated, that is the most challenging to you right now. Maybe it's a girlfriend, you know, a, a girlfriend like, traditional girlfriend where you go to school with them and they're a friend, they're a confidant, right? Maybe it's your marriage relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with a boss or, or a coworker. Maybe it's a relationship with your, your daughter or your, your son or, or your own parent. What's the most complicated relationship that you have right now? And underneath that, I want you to write down your expectations of that relationship. What is it that you are hoping for? Actually, just write down the things that you're dissatisfied because what those reveal are the expectations that you have that aren't being met. So I want you to write it down in your friendships. Oh, she talks about me behind my back. Oh, I call her on her birthday, but she never calls anybody on her birthday. Whatever it is, little or big, and guys, some of you act like women. You ought to be writing this down too. All right? In verse 24, while you guys are writing, just listen, because I know ladies can multitask. Guys, right here. In verse 24, God describes the most important earthly relationship. Genesis chapter 2, we're still right there. And he begins with this relationship for a reason. The reason why he defines this so, it is this relationship that is most reflective of our individual relationship with God. This is relationship 101 right here. If you can't have a good relationship with the person that you choose to marry, the first thing you need to do is stop looking at the person that you chose to marry, and you need to look at your relationship, your heart with God, because it's the most reflective Later in the New Testament, Jesus affirms this, and the Apostle Paul describes it as a profound mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because very few are willing to align themselves with God's precept, with his teaching, with his description of what this relationship should look like. When God presented Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam, he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one Flesh. Now, this is a word that I learned back in the 80s before some of you were born. But it's the word that represents this equation. One plus one equals three. One plus one equals three. I, I'm not speaking new math here. Don't know anything about that. But what I'm talking about is synergy. Synergy. You don't even have to know the word synergy. What you need to know, though, is that you can take this person, you can take this person, and you put them together. And you don't have two. You have three. 
you have something greater than you can have individually and individually. Does that make sense? The sum or the whole is greater than the sum of the two parts is the definition of synergy. This implies that there is purpose behind the relationship as God defined it. When he said that you'll be united and become one flesh. Notice the detail God gives in this relationship. We're first to leave. To leave. And you say, yeah, you got to leave home. You can keep your bed there, though. You can keep your stuff there. No. No, to leave. Listen, I'll write this definition down. To leave is to allow what was to remain. When we leave to be married to a woman, and we're going to talk about marriage next week, finding the one. But when we leave that relationship with mom and dad or with grandma and grandpa, whoever raised us, we leave the relationship as it was. It doesn't mean that we don't have relationship with them. But it changes. All right? Our focus now is on what? What relationship is our focus on? It's the relationship between one plus one equals three. There's no place for mom and dad in that relationship as the relationship was. So that's the step one, to leave what is to allow what was to remain. And then part two is we are united. United is defined as joined together, connected with, for a new common purpose. A purpose that's multifaceted. And God very clearly defines that our first purpose is to become one. To become one flesh echoes the language in the preceding verse. When Adam says, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. That's what we're talking about here. God describes his objective for this relationship. For man and woman to join together in an inseparable and exclusive union. Now... I'm not just talking about monogamy, a one-woman or a one-man relationship with each other. I'm not, I'm not talking about all of the sin that comes when you bring someone else into your marriage bed. We can talk about that another time. But, but I want you to see the exclusiveness and the inseparableness of this union. See, beyond the obvious, and here's, here's the magic. Here's what I'm trying to get to you on, ladies, when it comes to relationship. We complicate relationship, listen, when we step outside of the defined purpose of that relationship. That's where we complicate it. That's where we struggle. When married women look to a friend, and I'm not talking about another guy, you, you know that that's wrong. Right? Please tell me that we know this. Ladies, you cannot get in the car with a man. Ladies, you cannot go to lunch with a man who's not your husband, who's not your boyfriend that you've given a commitment to that you're dated exclusively. You don't do those things. You, you don't sit down at the work table or the water fountain at work and talk about life's challenges and life's issues. You don't call your girlfriend from church and talk about how bad your relationship is at home with your husband. No, you call a counselor for that. 
You see, the problem is, is we complicate relationship when we do this. When women look to a friend to meet their need for camaraderie and sharing secrets and affirming their self-worth, there's always a breakdown that comes in that relationship. And let me tell you, there's also a breakdown that comes in your marriage relationship. Why? Because this person and this person are to become one. Where in the world is there room for anybody else in one plus one? There isn't. And I say this so strongly because you guys struggle so much with this. It's so hard for you. And it's hard for some of us guys that have a little bit of woman in us. As Sarah says, I do. But let's move beyond marriage relationship for just a minute. Anytime we invite someone to sit at our table, you've heard we use that expression, I got it from my wife. But anytime we invite someone to sit at our table to have relationship with us, and we don't share in a common task or a role, listen, that's part of God's model for that relationship. His model for that relationship. Parents, are you supposed to be buddies with your children. Anywhere in the Bible does it say, mom and dad, I want you to be friends with your son or daughter. No. In fact, it says something pretty different than that. You're to train a child in the way it should go. You spare the rod, you spoil the child. You're to write on their hearts. You're to write on the door frames of your home. Where does it say, oh, but I'll lose them if I don't talk to them this way and, and let them do some things. They'll go down the wrong path if I do that. Listen, you're stepping outside of the model, and it's going to break down. So anytime we invite someone to sit at our table to have a relationship with us, and we don't share the common task or the role. Let me give you a couple examples. I have a relationship with the staff here at church, right? There's, I don't know now, seven or eight of us, okay? And that relationship, our purpose is this. Our purpose is to glorify God, number one. In fact, that's all of our purposes. And all of our relationship begin with that. But our purpose is to glorify God. Our second purpose is to encourage each other. Encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. The third purpose is to lead others. To lead, it's not to be your best friend. It's not to be your mom or dad. No one can replace them. We come alongside of, we encourage, we lead, we create disciples together, we teach. Now what our relationship is not is we don't build a home together. We don't raise a family together. We don't provide for that family together. We don't share sexual intimacy together. And I, and I know that sounds absurd, but hopefully you get the point. Every relationship is defined. It has parameters, objectives that fit that relationship. I have a relationship with Dakin Poland on Saturday night. Sits right back there. He's been such a great, such a great person to have relationship with. And the purpose of our relationship, just like all the other guys I have a relationship, is to glorify God, in this case, by the way that we serve one another. It's to glorify God by the way that we encourage each other. Dakin stands out there at the door. He's out there with Brian Jackie, another good friend. We share the same purpose together. We walk through life's challenges as men who have common interests, right? 
I have a relationship with him because he has a wife. I have a relationship with him because he's got two boys. I have two girls. And so we, we walk through life's challenges and these common interests. Our relationship is built around these purposes which differ from the purposes of my relationship with my wife or children. So, so I want you to go back and I want you to, to look at that relationship that you wrote down a minute ago that's so complicated. And I want you to just be honest with yourself. When you look at the expectations or when you look at the disappointments, is it not because you have messed with the design plan for that relationship? If it doesn't, I want you to see me afterwards. I want you to come and I want you to challenge me in this. I'll listen because I want to see how that's working for you when it's completely outside of what God's defined for you. I shared with Sarah, I'm not sure which one of these three complicating factors we've looked at today is the most difficult. I, I think sometimes it's relationship. I think sometimes it's identity. Kind of depends on the season you're in. Sometimes it's purpose. So some of you, your purpose has changed. Your, your life situation's changed. All of a sudden you're thrown into a new situation and you're trying to figure that out. And I suppose at any given moment it could be all three but this weekend, I simply ask you, what is it that made life complicated for you right now? What is it? What is it, men and women, that has made, that has made life complicated in this season that you're in? What is it that has you questioning your self-worth? What is it that has you questioning your identity? What about your purpose? Has your season changed and, and you aren't sure what you should focus on right now? What about relationships? I ask you the second question. I've only asked you two. I ask you the second question. This one's written down for you, and that is, is who I am as a woman and the way I'm living life not just talking about relationships, not just talking about purpose, not just talking about identity and self-worth, I'm talking about who you are as a woman and the way that you're living right now. Is it in alignment with God's plan? We've described his plan tonight. Is it in alignment with that? Because if it is, then you celebrate and you keep going. God bless you and good for you. What a great season of your life. But if it isn't, based on what we've shared today, and you want to know what your next step should be. I want you to know that God's listening. He's listening. And he's very interested. And I want you to know that he has the answers that will uncomplicate any situation. He does. He can take it no matter how complicated you've made it or other people have made it. He can simplify it. And so as a church family, we offer you this invitation tonight. And that is... To, to just come and tell us. Uh, I'll have some of the ladies come. If you, if you want to talk to a lady, you can talk to my wife, you can talk to some other ladies that I know have aligned their lives with God's purpose and plan. Come and let's pray. Let's, let's receive him for Savior and Lord of our life. If you haven't surrendered your life to him, you're going to have a hard time implementing his plan without his power. So come and receive his Holy Spirit just as Tyler did tonight. 
Come and recommit yourself to his purpose and his plan for your life. There's nothing better, is there, Michael, than to say, hey, this, this has been messed up, and I just need a reset, and I need some people to pray for me and to walk with me. We're here to do that for you, always. So come, let's stand and let's sing together. God, you are so worthy tonight. You're so worthy of our obedience. You're so worthy, Father, of our admiration. You are so worthy to be the authority in our life over everything. Father, you're worthy of our praise, not just with the lips of our mouth, but with the obedience of our hearts and our lives, with the alignment of the relationships that you've entrusted to us. You're worthy of all these things. God, grant us the courage now to uncomplicate by aligning with you. In Jesus' name, amen.